Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. So welcome back to the Growing Through Grief podcast. I'm your host, Diana Curtis, and I am so glad that you are here. I'm glad that you're here listening in because we have a special guest for you today. Yeah, so I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Go ahead and get your journal, get your pen, and be prepared to take some notes because you really, really will be blessed. So my guest today is a powerful leader and speaker in the world. His mantra, his book is Turning Turmoil and to triumph. He was one of many survivors who went down with the plane in the Hudson River. And I believe it was 2019. And I know we move quickly. We move through life so quickly. So I'm going to ask him to give us a cliff note of what happened that day. And but also before we go there, he trained with Tony Robbins for years And there's so much more that I could share with you about my guest, who is Dave Sanderson, but I'm going to pass it to him to kind of, again, number one, give us a little cliff note about what happened in the Hudson River, and then we'll just move on and free flow after that. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm happy you're here. So now I give you a little cliff notes version of what happened in 2009. So Here's the highlights. I wasn't supposed to be on the plane. I was scheduled to be on the five o'clock flight that evening, but we were working in a distribution center in Brooklyn, New York. And if you have never worked or been inside of a distribution center, they open up early, very early in the morning because they need to have the trucks come in before for rush hour. So they have to get going early. So this one opened up at five o'clock in the morning. And that's when we got there to get going. So we got done with our work about 10 o'clock because at that time, all the trucks had gone. We'd done our work and I was at the end of a three-day business trip and I wanted to go home. So uh, you know, I called our travel agent to work with her and she put me on U.S. Airways Flight 1549. So I wasn't. I gave up a first-class seat at 5 o'clock. She's 15A on 1549 on January 15th. There's a lot of 15s going on in there. But uh, nothing unusual. About to take off. The flight was delayed, but that's nothing unusual in the winter in New York. So that's nothing unusual. But as we know now, 60 seconds after we took off is when I heard an explosion. And that's the one that sort of woke me up because, Kaylee, I thought I knew everything about a plane. I didn't need any training. I didn't need any read anything. I didn't need to listen to anybody. But when you hear an explosion, especially when you're in a plane and you're heading towards Manhattan, 
things start uh, sort of getting going pretty quickly. And as we were crossing over the George Washington Bridge, that's when I heard the words of the captain say, this is your captain for impact. And that's the moment, I think, and you talked to any other pastors, that was the moment I think it all became real. That was the moment that I think people knew it was very, very serious. I've heard the word dire, I've heard serious, I'll say serious. But it was about 60 seconds after we crossed over the George Washington Bridge and we crashed into the river. And it was an extremely hard hit. And so when we hit, I went back in my seat and forward in my seat, just like whiplashed. But when I came back up, I looked up and I looked out the window and I saw light. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment I knew I had a shot. I was alive, but I wasn't out. Because now the plane is sinking in 36 degree water and it's going down pretty quick. So actually the plane actually went down in 24 minutes. So it was going down pretty rapidly because not only on impact did it open up some holes on the plane, but also somebody actually did listen to the flight crew, went to the closest exit, which was behind them, and tried to open up the back door, which was already underwater. Mm. So that water started rushing in very quickly. So where I was seated, Diana, 15A, water was about ankle to knee deep immediately. But you don't feel the water. Because now you're in a mode, right? You're in, you're in go mode. So you're not feeling anything. You're just, you know, what's, what, how are you going to get out of this plane? And my, my game plan, the whole time I was thinking, I'll up out, I'll up out, I'll up out. That's all I kept saying to myself, I'll up out. That was my strategy. But when I got to the aisle, something happened to change the entire day and has turned out to change my entire life. My mom started talking to me in my head. Now, my mom had passed away in 1997. But when I was a kid, she would tell me and probably my sister and brother the same thing. I don't know, but I know it's me. She would say, if, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. One of the great things as I start thinking about that later, much later on, I didn't think about it in that moment. One of the greatest things my mother ever did for me is she made me make the choice and decision. And I think one of the things that I wish I had done better as a parent is make my kids make more decisions when they were young so they could have consequences and understand consequences. Because she said, she didn't say, do the, do the right thing, if you do the right thing. So I, chose, I, could, I could leave the plane, but my choice I made was go back in the back of the plane see if anybody needed help. So that's why I climbed over the seats to the back of the plane. And things were moving pretty quickly. The water was about chest level deep in the back of the plane. It was already submerged. But things were moving pretty quickly. So I just started making my way out like everybody else. And, you know, back of the plane, the water about this deep and luggage is floating out in the water. And you're trying to get through the luggage and you're trying to get out. And the first light that I saw was on the right side of the plane. I'm like, I'm out of here. My time to go. And as soon as I looked out, I looked out and the wing was filled up. The boat was filled up and there's no room for me. So that's why I was inside the plane for roughly seven minutes, waist deep in 36 degree water. Because I couldn't get out until about seven minutes later when I felt the plane shift. And I didn't know why it shifted at that point. I found out later, one of the tugboats that were part of the rescue hit the front of the plane and shook the plane. And when it shook the plane, my first thought was Titanic. This, this thing's going down, man. And don't be stuck in the plane. It's going down to the bottom of the river. So I jumped in and swam to the closest boat that I could find, which was approximately the end of that wing, about 15 yards out. That's how I got off the plane. And But now you got, you got other things you got to deal with, right? Right. So that's, that's a short version of a long story in about two or three minutes. Yes, that's a powerful story. And first, let me just send my condolences around the loss of mom. And there is just nothing better than the wisdom that moms give us, right? And you're carrying. It's with you. 
Yes, it does stay with you. And also for anyone who is not familiar with this situation, there were no fatalities. There were some injuries physically, mentally, and emotionally, I'm sure. So just want to make sure if you haven't heard that story that you knew that. So thank you for sharing that story. I remember when we talked, Dave, you shared with me that last year was like a plane crash. Now you just shared your real life situation in terms of the Hudson River and the plane going down. And I'm sure you could share a lot more about that. But that statement stayed with me last year, 2019, when it really started, was like a plane crash. Share with our listeners more about that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I never really thought about that until when, when the COVID stuff really started kicking in in March and April. You know, and we were all in lockdown, right? And no one knew what was really going on. So what I did is I started calling people every day. I call five people a day. Uh, I just made a goal. I said, okay, you know, five, five people a day, check in, see what's going on. You know, where's their mindset? Do they know anything? And what I realized after, you know, doing this for several months is that 2020 was not just about COVID. It was about social justice questions. It was about the election. It was about police. There were so many things hitting at one time. And, and that's why I thought I talking about turmoil and the triumph, because uh, all these things start stacking on it. And it was like man, it all hit. And it's like a plane crash, because in a plane crash, all of a sudden something hits. It's not your fault, but you got to deal with it. And how you deal with it is going to determine, you know, largely how it's going to end up. So I, I, I started thinking this last year is like a plane crash. If I could help people sort of see my story and the lessons that I learned and strategies that I used go forward, maybe I could help them turn their turmoil that they had last year into something different than some tragedy. So that's how that whole came about. Just because I, mean, I just was checking in on people because, you know, we we're all locked down. No one was going to any place. Yeah. But I think a lot of people needed community. They still need community. So that was my little part to try to get community, but I learned a lot. And that's how I learned about last year wasn't just about COVID. Yeah. I love that you said things happen that's not our fault. And they start stacking and stacking and stacking. And what we tend to do sometimes as humans is just push them down, push them down, push it down, right? <laughs> and then we numb that pain with something, whatever, drugs, alcohol, right. whatever, rock and roll, sex, whatever we do, right. you know, whatever our choice of numbing or addiction is, that's what we do as humans. So just like other losses that's beyond our control, i.e. this COVID, i.e. death, although death is part of the life cycle, it's beyond our control and it kicks us off of our center, right? right? So tell us a little more about calling those five people every day. And I recall you sharing something about you did a speech with at a high school and you realized what those young people were going through. So share that with our listeners. That's what really kicked in, Diana. Is, you know, I, I was invited to speak at my high school where I graduated from. I was doing a book signing in my hometown and they said, would you come by the high school and speak to the students? And I said, of course, right? I mean, uh, it's an honor, number one, to be asked speak number two go back to your high school yes so you know the night before i was in the hotel 
And the principal called me and said, listen, I need you to do me a favor. I said, of course. He goes, these kids have been going through a lot this year. They have not all of them have not been in school at the same time at all the whole year. They were going half and half every other day, half and half. He goes, I really need you to really bring some inspiration and get to tell these kids, you know, some give them some mindset about, you know, leadership through crisis. So I already had my, my talk planned, right? I'm ready to rock and roll. Now, 12 hours later, I'm, I'm trying to reconfigure everything in my head. What am I going to tell these kids? So what I did is I started talking about leadership and taking personal leadership. And I think everything starts with personal leadership. you got to lead yourself first before you do anything else. Then I started kicking in to a little bit of what I did in my TED Talk. And my TED Talk was really about post-traumatic growth syndrome. How do you grow from a traumatic life event? And I started sharing these strategies about how do you grow? When, when life hits you, and I said, you know, you know, what was interesting, Diana, is I, and there's probably 150 maybe kids and, and teachers. And I did two talks, you know, they split them up. And when I said this, they sort of looked at me with one of those eyes. I said, you know, I said, you're not the first people to go through something like this. And they're sort of looking at me and said, said, when I was young in the 60s, we had 1968. We had social justice questions going on in Chicago. I said, what? Everything was burning. People are mad. We had the war going on. I said, when I was a kid, all that you saw, and, and for the first time in our lives, we saw it live in color TV. I said, so don't think you're the first people to go through this, right? And, but we survived. And I shared the story about my dad, by four, I mean, a couple of days before he passed away in Arkansas. And he said, you know what? We'll get through this. You know, our generation survived World War II, right? We'll get through it. And I said the same thing. I said, you know, we'll all get through this, but it's going to take some strategies and some action. You just can't sit around and wait. So you got to start working on your mind right now. And I started telling them about how to manage your state, how to have the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life. And emotion is your life. I started going through these strategies with these kids. All of a sudden, their eyes started you know, lighting up. And the principal was like, wow. I said, yeah, that is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, wow, that's pretty good. So that's when it really started turning. I said, that's, that's the topic. That's where I can impact people, especially youth, because they haven't been through something. Their big event, if they were, they weren't even alive yet, was 9-11, and they weren't even born yet, mm-hmm. right? So, as you know, you've been around a few years. You know, I don't know if you're as old as I am, but you know, every generation has something, right? Every generation's got something. So, let's look back in history. There's a book called The Fourth Turning. And when I was being mentored by Tony Robbins, I asked him, he said, this is the one book you need to read. It's The Fourth Turning by Strauss and Howe. So I got it. I read it. And it tells, really, it tells you how every four generations, things happen over and over. And they, 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 they chronicle it all the way from the beginning of Jesus and all the way through. And I start thinking, yeah, I mean, everything is generational. You know, there's spring, fall, winter, fall, summer, and fall. It's, it's all seasonal. And all of a sudden, I start, that's why I started talking about it. It's like, this is, this is going to happen again in 30, 40 years. Look what's happening right now, right? Oh, it's going on in the Middle East. And that happened 20 years ago. Wow. And, and similar things are happening right now. Yes. yes. So we're all going to have our own personal plane crash moments. It's how you deal with it. And that's why I try to help people now is give them strategies on how I work it. Because people say, well, you went to a plane crash. I like, went great. No, it wasn't. Right after the plane crash, there was a lot of turmoil. As you just said so eloquently, yeah, physically I had hypothermia and I had some physical things, but more it was emotional, right? Yes. And getting over that and mentally. And it took me a little while to get through that stuff. And I, but I didn't publicize it. 
but I, I figured out how to do it. But everything that I learned from my mentors, because the one thing that I did and I learned from Bill, my mentor, Tony Robbins, Don, my mentor, is if you want to get any outcome in your life, model somebody who's got the outcome that you want. And I started seeking out people who have done amazing things. And I use this one thing, Diana, and I teach this when I, when I mentor people. And, Don, and, my, and Bill, my mentor, taught me this. He called his round table, I called a virtual round table. But what he did is this. He went out and all, he documented every part of his life, financial, health, uh, spiritual, relationships, all these areas of his life. And he found the best person he could possibly find. And he lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. But now you can do it on the internet. So I went out and looked at who, if I need to have wisdom about leadership, who do I go to? Well, I, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world, I think, was Abraham Lincoln. So I go and read about Lincoln, how he made decisions at the time of a crisis. I mean, how did he get the 14th Amendment passed, abolishing slavery? How did he do that in the middle of the war? Leadership. Or if I need some help in communicating, Ronald Reagan. Or if I need some a spiritual, Martin Luther King. Right. So I... I have, I have what's called my virtual roundtable, and I teach people this. How do you put your virtual roundtable together? Because anytime you need something, that way you can go exact straight to that person and get their philosophy. Wow. There are so many questions I want to just ask so you can share with the audience, but I'm going to okay. go here first. Okay. Post-traumatic growth syndrome. The first time I heard you say that, remember I said, oh, sure, I'm familiar with that. Yep. I thought you had said PTSD. So tell us a little bit about that and then share what was the one thing that took you the longest to grow through after your event in the Hudson River? So let me explain PTGS because Kelly, five years ago, I had never heard of that term either. But I was when I was sitting right here. I got a phone call from the publisher or editor. I forget which title is of AARP magazine. And he asked me if he could interview me for his magazine. And I said, what can I contribute? I mean, I, uh, I'm not old, right? I mean, these people have gone through. I mean, what can I contribute? He goes, there are two universities that have done studies on you. USC Charlotte, North Dakota State University, about how you grew out of a plane crash while others went into PTSD. I said, okay. He goes, they call this PTGS, post-traumatic growth syndrome. How do you grow? And they want to understand, they said, oh, we want to understand the strategy you use to grow where other people went a different direction, even worse. So I did this interview, and all of a sudden, people were calling me. How did you do this? How did you do this? You know, when you face this, how did you handle this? And all of a sudden, I started getting phone calls about this thing called PTGS. And what I found out, because I was doing a lot of work at that time, still do, with the military, law enforcement, and fire. And those groups are heavily hit when it comes to PTSD. I mean, you know, they come back from war in Afghanistan or Iraq, and all of a sudden they got to face something, right? They lost a leg. Or someone in their family's got cancer. How are they going to deal with that, right? So that's why I did my TED Talk, Diana, because I wanted people to understand there is, a, there is an alternative. Yes, you can go into depression, and there is a strategy for depression. So there's a strategy for depression. There's also a strategy for growth. And that's what I did. So, yeah, and so the second question, I would say, what really took me the longest is really getting, I would say, my relationship back with my family, but having everybody understand that, you know what, I survived this thing. Because my family was always fearful after that. Where, where was I going? They wanted to check in with me all the time. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I was trying to get over it. And they just kept reminding me of it, right? Because they always questioned me. And it was so I think that took a little while for my family to start understanding, you know what, 
dad's okay, dad's doing all right, maybe, you know, we should be doing all right. Now, maybe we should, just, maybe we should stop thinking about this all the time, because he has. Right. I hadn't, but I had to project that to my family. I had to give them certainty, right? So I say that was probably the, the thing that lasted the longest after to get, uh, get through, is make sure my family had certainty after this. Yes. That's one of the reasons I named this podcast Growing Through Grief, because I realize when there's a traumatic event in your life, it's something you grow through. You're just thrown into a growth period. So you can choose to resist and push that stuff down, or you can go through it and grow through it. So I loved hearing that phrase. I'm going to do some more research on that. I I love it. I love it. And you also had shared with me to remember we could easily blame the events, i.e. you and I both lost our mom. We can say, well, we're living this life because I could say I'm living this life because I never had my mom. I didn't have that same sex role model, right? I could blame that and continue to stay stuck in that pain, but we can also choose something different. So just to recap a little bit for the listeners, so I'm, I'm sure you're going to go back and listen to this, to this episode. Personal leadership, when you said that, I thought about personal development. Self first. We have to focus on ourselves first before we go out into the world. And although it's possible to support others in the world while we're healing through our own stuff. Now, the mind and emotion. You mentioned that as well. I'm just trying to recap a little bit in case somebody missed this. But the mind and the emotions to me is where the magic is happening because those two are always, they're working together, right? They're married and whatever I think in my mind, some emotion or uh, sensation is going to happen, is going to cause me to move into some type of response. So if people would just realize more, and some do, lots do, but it's what that dance between the mental aspect and the emotional aspect of who we are. Yes. And I can see, and I see, and I hear so many of your teachings through that you got while uh, serving with Tony Robbins, that focus, that focus, that focus. And that's hard for most of us, right? To focus. Yeah. That's, that's where the genius comes in. That's, that's the difference between geniuses and other people. Geniuses have the ability to focus intensely on one thing, you know, and maybe they're not smart in something else, but man, they know how to focus. And if you can, I tell people, you know, if you look at that plane on the plane, one of the questions I got asked once, which it was a really interesting question. And I answered it not knowing what he would say, but I just elucidated. So the question was, do you think the captain was praying when the plane was going down? And I heard him say something once. He said, no, I wasn't praying. I had 154 other people praying. I had to focus on the outcome. And I said, that's it, right? When we're in tough situations, there are other people that will, will pray for us, will, will look after us. But when it come, when push comes to shove, you got to focus. And that, that came around to me again when I went back in the Hudson River a few weeks ago, right? Yes. Because you don't get, when you're in the water and that current's coming and you got to swim and there, I mean, there, you see the outcome, but if you can't focus, that river can take your life pretty quickly. And so I think that key area of focus, right? Is, is so critical to be able to get whatever outcome that you want. And, you know, I was very honored to be with Tony for 12 years as head of his security, travel the world with him. He mentored me. And I learned these distinctions, right, on how, how does somebody become a Tony Robbins, right? How does somebody do that? He and I are the same age, right? Why him, not me? Right. 
There's reasons. One of the things is he, so he can focus intensely. Yes. So quickly, we're about yep. to end. 30 minutes goes by right. really, really fast. Lynn, I want you to have an opportunity to share with the world what else you're doing. But you just mentioned you went back to the Hudson River. You please share who you went with and who you were training with. I was very honored to be invited back in April by a Navy SEAL uh, who asked me if I would be open to going back to the Hudson River with the, with the Navy SEAL on the Navy SEAL swim from New Jersey, the Statue of Liberty, to Ellis Island, to New York. And I, I, was, I swam, but I didn't know really. I, I found out how to swim with the, well, I was with these guys. But it was truly an honor because uh, we were raising money for homeless vets, which was really something that I learned about. But more intently, what it really turned out, there's a lot of lessons that I'm going to be talking about. But the one big, big thing is I, I really realized the last time I was in the Hudson River, I didn't go in the Hudson River on my terms. It happened. And I dealt with it. This time I'm going to go into the Hudson River and leave on my terms. And that was one of the biggest takeaways. It was like redemption. It's like, okay. So now when I can share with people, I, I, I'll give you a personal, personal testimony. You know, when you face turmoil and you face it, you go back and leave on your terms. Don't leave on somebody else's terms. That way, at least you have the certainty that, you know what? I can pull something off when I really need to pull something off, right? If something hits me, you know what? I can deal with it. And that's, there's a lot of lessons, Diana, but I think that's the one I'll leave on right now is leave on your own terms. Mm, I love that. And I also love when you said that, what came up for me was it's important sometimes when you've had some traumatic events in your life in earlier years, maybe childhood, it's important to go back, not to live in it and sink in it and just be in that, but to identify, get clarity on what happened, sort of revisit so that you know where you're going, how to move forward, but not to the point where it's going. Can I add one distinction to that? Because yeah. one of the things I did right before I went into the river, um, I gave, I forgave the river. I forget, right? I, for, I think forgiveness is probably the biggest thing of you facing grief or facing turmoil. You start by forgiving, everything else opens up for that. So I think what you just said triggered that to me is, yes. you know, when you go back in your life, yeah, you may, hey, you may have had been assaulted. You may have had a, some things happen, but if you start with forgiveness, so you know what, I forgive you. You know, I wasn't perfect either. I think that's the first step to growth is starting, starting with forgiveness. And the second thing is having gratitude because the last thing I'll share is this grace is fueled by gratitude. That's beautiful. My uh, spiritual advisor taught me a long time ago that there can be no healing without forgiveness. And I've held on to that. Wow. 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 So I know you are writing a book. Is the book out? Give us a little peek into the book. So I'm on my third book. The second book was Moments Matter. It was about that day and the sort of skills that I used that day. But this book is Turmoil to Triumph. It really tells a story going back to really 1984, but even a little further back, that when my mentor Bill asked me if he could mentor me. And this gentleman who built a business in 1929 and during a depression and world war uh, was uh, amazing. But he had these life lessons that he would teach me. And when I would have a challenge, what was really interesting about this, and what I'll share in the book, is he had a mentor. His name was George. My mentor's name was Bill. And George did the same thing with him in the 20s sat down with him. So 1997, after my mom passed away, uh, we were talking about handling grief. I was in a business mode, Diana, after my mom passed away, because my dad was a wreck. He was a wreck. My sister and I really had to put together the funeral arrangements. And, so I was in business mode, right? Right. 
but I had to give my time, myself time to grieve. So Bill called me and asked me to come to his office and, you know, he, he sat down and he said, first I want to let you know, I think I, I've got lung cancer. Now Bill smoked two packs a day since the thirties. So, but he also went over to his desk and got these notes out and gave them to me. And these are the notes he hand wrote in 1929, the things he taught me. And these are the lessons of success that he was teaching me over a 13, 14 year period. And the only thing he asked me, he said, don't let it die with you. So I said, and so, you know, I made a promise that I wouldn't let it die with me. So this book is the first step in that because my mission right now is to teach these to a million people in 10 years. My first foray into that is I'm going to write this book and share these lessons and, and how I'm going to go about doing it. That's why I talk about turmoil to triumph because everything starts with a turmoil. Everything starts with something, a tragedy, right? right? And that's how you become strong. And I had many times in my life when things had hit me and I didn't understand why me. I felt sorry for myself. Poor, poor, pitiful me, right? And I learned very quickly, no one really gives a backside about that, right? Well, I'm in the events, right? Right. So when is the book coming out? Our target is October 1st. We're right now in the final edits. So uh, I'm, looking, I'm really excited about that. But yes, thank you very much for allowing me to share that. Yes, absolutely. So you get to share even more. What else is going on in your life? What Do you have any programs coming up? Or Well, first of all, all of your information will be in the show notes. So we'll you. put your Instagram and all of that information. But if somebody wants to follow you to figure out when that book is going to be released, or if you have other programs, do share. I would say yeah, check me out on LinkedIn because every week I write a blog about some of these lessons that I like, you know, how I learned, but also especially since the seal swim. So check me out on LinkedIn, Dave Sanderson. But I would say, you know, one of the things that I'm doing, Diana, and I've, I've had three people step up. I am opening up 10 slots to people right now. So you know what? I will personally mentor you for a year for 12 months and teach you what Bill taught me in 12 months. Uh, but you got to stay with me and you got to be committed. And I said, this, this is your commitment to me. As long as I teach you this, you got to teach 10 people. You can, I cannot die with you. So, so yes, if anybody's interested in learning more, go to LinkedIn, message me, and I'll be sure more than happy to share how I'm doing this. i got three people so far have asked me to do this with them, mm. and I'm looking for seven more people right now. And once I get to 10, I'm done, because then I'll teach them on how to teach these great lessons. Wow, that is nice. That's beautiful. So, and how do we find the blog? Just go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Every week, every Monday, I write a blog on LinkedIn and I share at least one story, one lesson about whether I came from my time back with my mentors or recently about some of these lessons I learned in the Hudson River. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things that came out and people say, one of the things people say is, you know, you made it right. I, I did make it. Yay, Dave. I got there. But once then I realized I, after I got there, I finished it. That wasn't the moment for me. There was a different moment that happened that really, all of a sudden, it's what came to me, right? When I, when I felt that I was not only redeemed, but I felt I felt that I gave, and I would I will be sharing that. That's one of the things I'm actually be sharing here shortly, uh, because it wasn't when I walked out of the river, even though I thought it was. There was a different moment, so I'm really excited to share that in a future blog coming up. Okay, don't let it die with you. Wow, thank you. Is there one nugget you want to leave with the listeners? These, you know, I think you've already said it eloquently. It's easy to blame events, but if you keep blaming events, you never give yourself the opportunity to grow. Stop blaming events. Forgive it, and you move on, and first start giving gratitude. You know, because gratitude opens up everything, and the more great gratitude you give, the more grace that you get. 
Mm, I love the G's. I love all of those G's. I'm always talking about growth. And that's what resonated the most with me when I first met you. You you were talking about growth, 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 growth. So we are at the end of another episode. And it really, it happened really quickly, but here we are. So thanks to you again, Dave. I am so, so appreciative. And to my listeners, Thank you for showing up again. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, you know what to do. Just keep growing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.